Welcome to another episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast with your hosts, David and Nick. In this episode, we try some cloak and dagger, take another shot at the Watchmen movie, go back before the beginning of Secret Empire, and catch up with the Super Sons. Stay tuned for all this and more. Hello and welcome to the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast, where I, David Luzader, and my forever captive Nick Shermooksness will go through the weeks on comics. Nick will apparently attempt to... Nope, it's making noises more than it should again. I thought I had fixed that. But Nick will apparently attempt to seduce me while I'm, I'm doing the show intro, because that is what I'm assuming you're doing over there. Stop making those eyes. Good Lord, I'm so glad this is not a video podcast. <laughs> we should do a video podcast at This some would be point. so boring. <laughs> What? I don't know. We we we'd have to throw in some animation, some so, so people can some watch you. Scenes. People can watch you well, throw your pins back and forth and then drop them. Well, it'd be like yeah, people would love that. I mean, it's like one of the quirky you know quirky aspects of the show. But I mean, think about it. when we spoiler alerts talk about the cloak and dagger trailer in a oh little bit. Oh my gosh, we <laughs> they'll forget. Trust me, they don't really listen to this part. Nope. Um, Which is great. You know, okay, we're on we're we're on camera and we're all yiddle yaddling, and then she's like, "Oh, hey, I thought this, you know, Easter egg in this trailer was really cool." Cut to the trailer. Yeah. You know so I mean? yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. I'm just gonna move right past it. Um, if that's cool with 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 everybody, I think I think uh, where I think we're not tapping. I mean, I realize there's a logistics issue in that you're uh-huh. over there and I'm over uh-huh. here. Uh, we can still make it work. So I started playing uh, Pokemon Sun today, and I have something I want to talk about as part of the the intro for this game that went on for, like, way too long. It was like an hour before I got a Pokemon. It was very frustrating. Yes. Tell me, my son. Uh, but one thing that really disturbs me is, like, so the, the, the story, like, starts out, and, like, you and your mom move to the these sets of islands that are totally not Hawaii, but super Hawaii. And, like, the super cool, laid-back Pokemon professor, who's not Professor Oak, because he's, like, a young, cool guy with a tan, uh, shows cool up. Cool guy with a tan. He shows up at your house to be like, hey, you're going to be a Pokemon trainer, I guess? Let's, like, let me, I'm, I'm here to be best friends with your 10-year-old kid. And, like, he shows up in, like, board shorts, a lab coat, and no t-shirt. Which is a really bizarre outfit to go, like, pick up a kid to go like then walk into a mysterious cave with like that is not an if you if someone slipped to your house and is like hey i'm here to go play with your son let him get in my van and they're like not wearing a t-shirt and just like a lab coat and blue blocker sunglasses do not let your kid go with that person david yeah two things Uh uh-huh one Mm -hmm. have you ever been to hawaii yes you, you thought I was going to say no, but I, I I was hoping you were going to say no. Being that I've only ever really lived, uh, I have only lived on the East Coast. Uh-huh. Things that far, I realize Hawaii is a lot closer to you than it is well, to me, or it was close to you. Yes, it was closer. Th- theoretically, but, it was closer, yes. But not theoretically, it was literally closer to you. Yeah, just, but, you know, I'm not, sure we're not, just We're not really sure. We're not really sure what shape the earth is. I'm still not convinced it's not flat. We'll get to that later. <laughs> um, anyway, David, maybe it's been a while. I can tell you from a quick Google search I did not do uh-huh. that all scientists in Hawaii wear lab coats and no shirts. It's even, just as even, common. Even the women? Even the woman. Uh huh. Even, oh, even the woman. There's just one from this. No, Google stop song. it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know how I have a problem pronouncing that word for whatever reason. Wait, do you? You can't say women. No, you know what, David? You're the one this that's is what playing the show, a game about this is what a ten-year-old the show is about a naked now. man in a cave. Uh, you're, you're the one playing a game about a naked man in a cave. No, I'm playing a game in which I capture small animals and then make them fight for my amusement. 
We should really do a segment of like describing things in the worst possible light. I think that's most of what this podcast is. <laughs> no, that just reflects poorly on us. <laughs> most things, most things we say do. Yes. Uh, but anyway, beyond the fact that um, you know he's having you choose which ball you want to play with in a game. Oh God. <laughs> oh God. Um, how are you liking the game so far? I mean, it seriously, it took me so long to get a Pokemon that I was like, I, by the time I got it, I had other stuff I had to do. I was a little bit like burned out on the process. Uh, it seems, it seems like a fun Pokemon game, but I just had, I, I only got to walk around route one a little bit and catch a, uh, a, 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 a Caterpie. I think, uh, man, it's been so long. I don't remember like the basic starter Pokemon names. He uh, pretends like he doesn't know the names. Well, but like, but then like, this is the one where they start mixing in like, here's some new Pokemon with like a bunch of old ones as well, and so now I have to realize that I'm old instead of just uh, feel it in the depths of my soul. Like I have to actualize it, and that's I mean, just not something that I w- I'm ready to do. Uh, I turn 29 next month. Anyway, moving on. The um. Oh, what uh, what starter did you choose? Fire, water, grass. So I typically go with the with the fire starter. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, because I I'm, I like to set fires because the voices in my head tell me so. No, I, I just I typically gravitate towards like the fire Pokemon. I know it makes the game a little more challenging. Uh, at least that's how it was back in the old days. Um, but I kind of like based on pure aesthetics. I almost wanted to rather go with the the grass type because with this it was like the the fire type was like a little kitty cat and the water type was a seal with like a ball on its nose and then like the grass type was an owl because you know what do you expect when you're walking through grass to see owls uh and it like it just i don't know i felt odd being like i want the kitty says the guy already playing a game about a 10 year old that runs around and catches animals in cages and hangs out with shirtless scientists so far the game's shirtless off to a scientist that's I band name nope i don't know what you're gonna do or with that. at the very least podcast title name i or episode name oh that's that's potential we could potentially call this shirtless scientist uh, but you know what? I think people. I think I think we have burned up all the goodwill we have with Pokemon Talk. So why don't we go ahead and jump into some news? Our top story today. <laughs> After a disappointing summer, Humpty Dumpty has a great fall. All right. As we mentioned a little bit ago, the first Cloak and Dagger trailer has been released from Marvel. Uh, for those who don't know what Cloak and Dagger is about. I'm really not super sure either. It is a uh, series set in New Orleans. Apparently, it does take place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I did not know that. I thought they were separating it. Uh, Nick? Everything takes place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They just will just kind of casually mention other things that won't impact them whatsoever. Right. Which, that's an argument for another day. Maybe there'll be a discussion question in a future episode. Uh, for those who don't know, Cloak and Dagger are about characters, one named Cloak, one named Dagger. One wears a cloak, one wields light daggers. Uh, so I creative. Um, I didn't think to pull up like a character chart for them right now, but from memory, readers, write in and tell me if I'm wrong. Um, basically, they were teenagers who get caught in some like weird drug experiment, and the drugs give them superpowers. Uh, I don't think it was intended maybe initially, but I know that Cloak ultimately, like he's literally like a head and a cloak, and I guess he has a body, but half the time they just draw him in a, like a floating cloak. Uh, and his cloak can uh, like teleport and hide stuff in it, and I believe is connected to the Dark Force dimension, or maybe it's just called the Dark Dimension. And Dagger has a dagger-shaped boob window and can wield light daggers and and throws said light daggers into people i've got a Um, feeling we're not gonna see the dagger shaped boob window but i know what i'm going as for halloween (laughs) david david dagger uh and then cloak nick cloak yeah we're not no no we're not doing that 
Uh, so, uh, um, David, what do you think of the trailer? Uh, so they spend a lot of the time not really telling you that this is going to be a superhero shindig, uh, which is fine. So I guess then it kind of comes down to like, did the rest of the trailer interest me a whole, whole lot? Um, and not really, uh, mainly because this is going to be on the Freeform network, formerly ABC Family, formerly Fox Family, formerly something else before that. Uh, so it, and Freeform's whole thing is like, we want those teens and tweens. And last I checked, despite my Pokemon plan, I am not either of those things. Uh, so they are not aiming this show at me, which is fine. It- oh, so you're saying that they're aiming Pokemon at your game geared towards 10-year-olds. Of which you played when you were 10 years old yeah. and then never stopped. Oh, no, it is a franchise. Like, it is a franchise for kids. I'm not saying that. That doesn't mean, like, it's not, like, a fun game and doesn't but have... But your argument is that this isn't geared towards you when neither is the thing that you're you're playing and I, hanging out with the scientists. I agreed. First of all, if they're... If they are advertising shirtless scientists to 10 year olds we have some real problems uh but no i even like said like this isn't aimed towards me neither is pokemon so what i'm trying to say there is like this initial trailer did not really excite me as a general premise it looks very heavy on the the teen drama stuff uh which is fine that isn't necessarily my cup of tea they seem to kind of be downplaying the hero stuff which i guess like i get um if, if this was a really superhero-heavy show, I'd be much more curious in... or much more interested in checking out. I probably will still see it, but when it shows up on, like, Netflix or something, like, I'm not going to go and seek out that first episode somewhere online. Uh, but what, what were your thoughts on the trailer? Interestingly enough, and uh, being that I, I apparently have forsaken catching up or watching any TV shows lately... Um, it intrigued me a bit. I also like wasn't expecting a trailer this fast, but I guess they have to put yeah, something out. Yeah, it's coming out, out for... in 2018, but it was also announced like middle Wait, of is last it co- year. Is it coming out in 2018? Yeah, the end of the trailer, it's like coming 2018. Wow, that's super early. No one's gonna give a shit by then. I know, and they when they like initially announced it, it was mid 2016. That's that's weird that they're releasing it that far in advance. Um, well, I will. I will say that I the, the trailer intrigued me. Yes, they 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 teased a lot, almost to the point of that. Like I like okay, there was a car accident looked like, and it seems like Tyrone, aka Cloak, um, like rescues Tandy in it. Um, while they're little kids, then, while they're little kids, Which, but like, then they reunite as teenagers. Together, yeah, and like. Apparently, but it sounds like it seems like they get. I mean, that's, I guess that's what's all unclear. And then suddenly they bump into each other, and Tandy's got a light dagger uh, in her hands. So, I mean, if their goal was to kind of make you think, is this one thing, and then all of a sudden it's another thing, they did that. Um, because I know somewhat vaguely the backgrounds of the characters and their comic history. You know, I, I, I'm not going in. Like, I don't have a strong ties to the characters, so who? Like, I I don't really know what to expect. I'll say that, like, the cinematography, you know, and the kind of way the trailer was cut, it, it, it worked for me. Okay. As far as, you know, if you get to have your, you know, weird Pokemon fetish. We really, okay, <laughs> all right, that's it. That's I, that's the last we're going to be talking about Pokemon. You've gone too far. Um, you know, I can have my preform teen drama. But, um, <laughs> anyway, um, I don't know. I, I guess it's... It, it's a, it was enough to, to, to make me curious, but I will probably forget it exists by 2018, or I might not be alive in 2018 to enjoy it. So That's the more likely one. Let's be perfectly honest here. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, any last thoughts on it, David? Nah. In other news, Marvel has announced, or maybe not even Marvel announced, but I think the creative teams announced mm-hmm. that the uh, the current Star Lord volume is ending with issue six, and Nova is ending with issue number seven. With which I say no. Now I did read the first couple of issues of Nova and then dropped off. Not to say that I didn't enjoy them, but there's so many comics out, and I just. Yeah, anyway, uh, Starlet, though, I am currently holding issue number four in my hand. I was behind on it, but I love me some Chip Zdarsky. I really enjoy Chris Anka's work. I love that 
you know, it looks like Anka. I, I didn't, uh, yeah, I have all the issues. I can tell you. Anka, Anka. That the same creative team was able to work on these first six issues. Uh, I like that consistency. Was it my favorite storyline? No, in the sense that I wanted, like, I wanted Chip Chizarsky's humor and Chris Anka's art, but out doing space stuff, and this was him stuck on Earth. But for what they had to work with, um, it seemed like they captured the modern interpretation of the character, but you know, definitely rolled it, tried to add in character progression. Sadarsky is definitely one of those guys that does a really good job with just, you know, he definitely elevates the humor, but then he'll like gut punch you with some sort of like meaningful, you know, poignant moment. Mm-hmm. Um, all that is to say that it's quite the bummer that Star Lord is ending with number six, you know, certainly the same for Nova. Uh, it just feels like Marvel didn't really give them a chance. Um, maybe they're, I'm sure they're, it probably had to do with sales. Maybe there's some backroom stuff going on. Who knows? Either way, I'm bummed, David. Yeah, yeah. I was not. I, I think I read the first issue of Star Lord, uh, and I enjoyed what I read there. Um, but I obviously didn't keep up with it because Marvel has a hard time keeping me coming back all the time, and this is part of the reason. Um, they throw out number ones left and right. And they're like, all right, this character is number one. This character is number one. This character is another number one, and then uh, they'll they'll cancel it pretty quickly and i I don't want to say it's not because they didn't give it a chance it's like oh well sales weren't immediately good so uh whatever it's it's gone after a few issues um it yeah it's you know there was that still that weird comment from marvel's vp of sales uh that's like people don't want diversity and yet you have like these very classic characters uh who are straight white males whose books are also getting canceled. So it's like, I think, I think, I think the problem's a little bit different than maybe what, what he's looking at here. Maybe. And, and, and just to, to jump on that diversity thing, diversity, a lot of people usually jump on it as far as meaning like, Oh, that, you know, as, as you know, kind of indicated, non straight, non white, non male, but diversity could also just apply to just not like the classic crop of like 1960s and the occasional 1940s, but basically Captain America, you know, characters, right. you know, taking, you know, having like big major books. Well, I, I would, I know. would agree with you if he also said that, uh, if he, if he did not say that people don't want diversity, they don't want women. Like his point was very much, it comes to race and women, uh, that, that captures their diversity quota. Right. No, no, no. And I get that. But I, I think to, so to to understand his point, but then expand on it as far as I, at least I'm expanding on the diversity term. And, and I agree with you. Morrow's problem is, is that I don't think diversity is the problem. No. I think that they have too many books coming no. out. Yes, that's I 100 percent agree with you. It is the let's put a million things out and hey you know only a few things are going to stick and that's that's an okay approach i guess i don't actually think it is the more i think about it uh but yeah they just they 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 throw out all these number ones and they act like oh guys this book this star lord number one this is it this is the okay well you know it's uh, it's five issues later we're gonna we're just gonna cancel it uh yeah sorry about that and it's and i i definitely want to applaud marvel at the same time that they really have over the last few years given spotlight to characters that normally don't get spotlight. And in some cases it's been successful, whether it be new characters like Miss Marvel that have just totally skyrocketed or characters, uh, longtime characters like squirrel girl, you know, and they definitely fulfill their own little niche, but then it's sort of like, we did something really, really good with Miss Marvel. And, and not to say that what they did really good with Miss Marvel is that they featured a non straight, well straight, I believe she is straight you know, but like a non-male, non-white character, and that they had to replicate that by making a bunch of other books. It was just that they 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 released way too many books to let them breathe, and mm-hmm. I just feel like the with you know with DC releasing a ton of books, with Image releasing a ton of books, yeah. well, like it's just I can't read them all. So as it, a consumer and a consumer that can afford to really, you know, pick a, a in my opinion a decent amount of books with what's on the market, I still have to be. Picky. And and you and I have talked about how comics really has like a, a number one syndrome thing where mm-hmm. number ones get so much attention and get so much push uh, that, uh, like, that, that that doesn't pan out a lot of the time. 
uh, where I'm starting to feel like, at least in certain image books, number ones now have these big cliffhanger moments right off the bat to get you to come back in, like, in number two. So it's not like, hey, let's establish this nice little story and get you attached to the character so you keep checking out. It's like, man, did you see that really crazy thing that happened? Better come back next issue. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and like creative teams have to get you to, to keep coming back. So in some cases they have to do that with like shock and awe and surprise and blah, 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 blah. Like thing that things will never be the same or, but another thing also I think that's happening now is that you have like, maybe you get really ex- excited about a Chip Zdarsky star Lord or Chip Zdarsky and, and Chris Anka star Lord. You got these six issues and they're great six issues, but then like if that ends like we know at some point probably relatively soon it, within the next year for sure six months to a year we're going to get another star lord solo book with a different creative team like instead of giving that same creative team another shot they're going to give it to someone else and i don't think the book was canceled because the creative team was bad whatsoever it just didn't match whatever maybe it was the sales maybe it was some internal publishing initiative that they just you know that just they're not going to advertise to us but we never got a chance to get a creative team that I guess I can only really speak for me as a consumer, but like really clicked with me and I wanted to see more of at six issues. Like, Oh, that's good. And then whiplash, like here's your next star Lord book with a completely different creative team. And then I think get warmed up to them. Like, uh-huh. yeah, sometimes you get a book that, that comes out and the creative team and just almost as like a general consensus, like it just doesn't quite click. So like I can understand either replacing the creative team, putting someone else on, or canceling the book, starting with a new fresh volume for the sales or whatever. But like when you get a generally universally praised creative team, even if the sales aren't there, you could just let it breathe a little bit. You know, it might start to pick up that traction. But now it's just like I could pick up this book, but in six issues it's probably going to be gone, and maybe I'll like the next one better, or maybe I'll just stop caring. Yeah, yeah. Well. Yeah. Well, while we're trying to figure that out, we can spend our time watching the animated Watchmen film. According to some news coming out, it hasn't been like officially announced, um, but oh, actually, it's weird. Okay, so yeah, it it is coming from uh, Warner Brothers that Watchmen, the Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons graphic novel, uh, is going to be released in an animated format uh that's pretty much all the details we have right now we it's going to be a faithful adaptation they say what exactly that means we have absolutely no idea you know we already be a pretty long adaptation (laughs) right right if they're saying like i mean the the original Zack snyder film from 2008 2009 was uh already almost three hours long uh, I think when you get the ultimate edition in there, it's even longer. Yeah, so this will be coming straight to. Some point. So this will be coming straight to demand. So it obviously it could, uh, you know, could come out with, um, you know, being like a four-hour-long little mini thing. Uh, but anyway, Nick, do we need another adaptation of Watchmen? In film no, form? No, but the you know need is a peculiar thing. We. We don't need any of this. So it's sort of like if, if Warner Brothers, DC or whatever, wants to put their resources behind making an animated version of a comic that you can just pick off a shelf and read, why bother with live action adaptations? So all I'm going to say is, while well, I respectfully understand Alan Moore's you know points about kind of commercialization and kind of bleeding these things dry and, you know, and all that, at the same time, like... It's just the world we live in, you know? At the end of the day, there's nothing inherently wrong with an animated version of Watchmen. It doesn't take away, potentially, from... Or, I, I guess I can't truly say it, but in my opinion, it wasn't doesn't take away from the graphic novel. Um, you can still go and read it at your leisure. Uh, and But at the end of the day, the, this animated film has to stand on its own, and if it sucks, it sucks, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah. Mm, yep. Yeah. No, I I agree with you on all on all points there. Absolutely. Uh, this does not change my life or my relationship with the graphic novel in any way, shape, or form. Uh, something like, something like this does. Then you're probably also one of those people who thought that the new Ghostbusters tainted your love for the original Ghostbusters, and you really just gotta stop, man. Just just stop. Uh, I think but, when you have, like, I, I think it's important, that, again, this could be a future question, like, there are definitely, like, 
whether it be a movie, a comic, a song, something, a video game, like that's that's touched me deeply. And, and I can sometimes feel that need to like take it personal, like if someone tries to like step on it or like do something different with but it. But they're not stepping on it though. They're, they're not, but that's the perception. That's like, how right. can you make an animated thing? Like the comic's fine on its own. And like, you're right, it is fine on its own. It is not, there is no weird lifeline thing where the animated movie is sucking the life out of it. No. You can yeah. ignore it. I realize in today's society with the inundation of like social media and technology and constantly bombarded, it feels like you can't ignore things, but you can. <laughs> Absolutely. You can. Yeah. I, I, I will say that Warner brothers uh, and you know, Warner brothers animation has brought some really great graphic novels to life in a couple of different ways. Uh, the dark Knight returns is a really, really great adaptation uh, I've heard some good things about some of the more recent DC films, like the the Judas Contract just came out digitally. Uh, Blu-ray's coming out soon. Uh, there's some that you know aren't as great, like The Killing Joke. Uh, but from everything I've seen and everything uh, that I've heard is that you know they have more hits than they do misses. So maybe this will be a situation too, like with the Dark Knight Returns, they split it into two movies uh, i think that would be a pretty good thing to do here that way they mm-hmm. can include some more of that subtext and the the in-between storylines that kind of flash up or flesh out what's going on uh all in all this is a thing that's happening we can't stop it i will be curious though to see it um to see if they're how they're going to adapt the uh the gibbons art style into animation because uh, I think it, it actually it has that really nice 1980s feel to it that you that like it would have been like a 19 it already kind of has the look of a 1980s animated thing to me in in a good way right and um, it's hard to say Gibbons like Gibbons artwork is gritty but not I'm kind of shooting myself in the foot with the word you know what I mean like it's got an ant it's a it's, it is a very expressive art style and if there is a but there's if there's a way to capture it in a way that just doesn't feel like your typical like DC animated yeah, yeah. film you yeah, know yeah, with yeah. like flat it's, colors and it's hard it's hard it's hard to articulate but I totally get where you're coming from and it um there's one other thing about it that I was going to say Warner Brothers Watchmen animated movie coming out cha 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 not nope clue absolutely lost it. Well, while David is busy finding what he lost, uh, we can say that Marvel has found uh, and can confirm the hiring of Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck to direct Captain Marvel. Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck are known as the directing duo responsible for 2014's Mississippi Grind. Ah, they also yes. created 26, oh, sorry, 2006 Half Nelson and 2008 Sugar. Oh, okay. I have not heard of any of these. I have never heard their names. I don't know anything about them. Congratulations Half, on directing Captain Marvel. Half Nelson. Half sounds Nelson sounds really super familiar. familiar. I may have seen it. Yes, okay. So it it's a story. Uh, yes, I have seen this uh, movie starring uh, Ryan Gosling. And it is about uh, an inner inner city middle school teacher who forms a friendship with one of his students after she discovers that he has a drug habit. Um, And at at one point, she sells him drugs. It's a very difficult scene in the film. Uh, I I would say, oh, sorry, guys, I had to spoil that for you, but the movie's 11 years old. uh, And it did kind of have its moment in the sun where a lot of people heard about it. It's still a very good film. People should check it out. It's very quiet. Um, Obviously... I don't think any of these films listed on here are action movies, but the Rousseau brothers, who direct all the Captain American stuff now, uh, were directing sitcoms and episodes of Arrested Development and Community, and then make you know two really good Captain America films, and now potentially, hopefully, a good Avengers movie. So I'm not going to. John Favreau did Elf. John Favreau did do Elf, and then he was in Friends for a few episodes. Uh, good, good times. Good times. So I'm not going to say anything about their uh, their quality as far as actions and uh, action movies and superheroes go. You can't. Yeah, absolutely, you can't. Um, so it's that good, cool. I I know that uh, that kind of the, the hot thing in Hollywood these days is directing duos. 
typically it's siblings uh, of some fashion, but these two, I guess, are kind of they're they're kind of breaking out from that. So I'm cool. I'm curious. I'm excited to see what you know what the trailer looks like, what the film looks like. Uh, mm-hmm. I totally read this wrong. So there's Nicole Perlman and Meg uh, Lafauve. Sorry if I totally butchered that name. Are currently writing the film, but I read it as Ron Perlman, and I'm like, man, Ron Perlman is writing the Captain Marvel film, and I suddenly got way more interested. Uh, no. uh, I can't wait for the movie called Marvel's Captain Marvel. Oh man, it totally. Well, they don't do the Marvels, do they? They did on Marvel's Avengers, but maybe yeah. that but that was before Marvel Studios split. It no. feels like they only put Marvel something or other on the TV division now. Well, no. Uh, uh, Avengers was also the first one officially released by Buena Vista, which is like the Disney distribution company. But I don't, I don't think it's. I don't think it's. It's not Marvel's Iron Man or Marvel's Thor. Not not back then. I think it was something, but I think they did start with Marvel's Avengers. Then, but I think maybe that changed. I don't remember them. Maybe they did say Marvel's Doctor Strange. It's not the official title, but right. Yeah, well, you know, it's gonna be the it's gonna be the Marvel logo and then the Captain Marvel logo. Very true. Well, the Marvel Studios logo. They remember now it's Marvel Studios. Right, right, right. But David, interesting stuff. You know, it's a lot of it's kind of a wait and see. Yeah. Um, so maybe while we are waiting, we could see what's going on in the actual comic book world of comics of today. Are you trying to get me to transition now to uh, talking about this week's comics? Affirmative. Well. To the Batmobile. Let's go. All right, on the docket this week, we have from Nick, Secret Empire number zero. Nick, I hate zero issues. Will this zero issue change my mind about zero issues? Well, first off, explain to me why you hate zero issues. Because why is it not number one? Fair point. This issue should have been a number one. Okay, cool. Because if you, now I, without having, without reading Secret Empire number one yet, I don't know exactly what's going to be in it. You know, like, are they going to waste time? Basically, my problem is, is that if you, you do a number zero, if it's negligible information, why bother? Uh, or if you waste your first issue catching up on information you displayed in your zero issue, why not just make the zero issue number one? Like, I agree with you. Why does there need to be a zero issue? Unless, it's, unless the zero issue itself is a primer for everything that came before, to set up what you're going to, you know, for if you don't have time to read two different Captain America comics and any other preludes to Secret Empire, you could utilize a zero issue to, to, to get up to speed. And then the first issue will start the proper story. This, however, really does start the proper story. So I will admit that as much as I will admittedly say I enjoyed this zero issue, if I then go back and pick up number one and find out that it's mostly rehashing hmm. what's in the zero issue, I'll be upset. Um, and if, if it doesn't rehash what's in the zero issue, I'm also going to be upset because why am I not reading secret empire number two? Hmm. Um, but numbers being what they are, I'm going to put that aside and just explain about the contents within. First off, I never get tired of Daniel Acuna artwork and he does the majority of the issue. There's a brief intro uh, that kind of reveals how this altered uh, Steve, uh, Hydra Steve, as I like to call him, you know, how his history was altered, how he ultimately kind of made it from the 1945s to present day. And basically he steps into some weird pool and they basically say, you're going to remember things that you, that never, that didn't, that you didn't do and yada, yada, but just stay true to your purpose, yada, yada, yada. And then boom, okay, we're in the present day. Uh, I'll admit up front that I have not been following the latest Steve Rogers solo comic that's been setting a lot of this up besides the first issue. Uh, and I also dropped off on the Sam Wilson comic a few issues ago. So I, I'm a little bit lost. However, I feel that as long as you know that this particular storyline has been in progress, the issue does a decent job of introducing the characters and just getting the ball rolling. And what's interesting about this is that you're at a point where Steve Rogers has been, he's been elected the the new director of shield. Um, so he's like the top cop of the world. 
Uh, and apparently in the Marvel Universe, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you don't have to be the president to run the world. You just have to, to be the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. and you have all the power. Mm. And of course, as he's doing his directing, three major crises, crises pop up. I think crises, uh, yeah. Uh, including a and a massive, and I'm by massive, I mean trillions of individual, I don't know, fleets, whatever you want to call them, of Chitari, Chitari of the Avengers film, um, are trying to invade and destroy Earth. At the same time, a bunch of supervillains are attacking Manhattan, um, and there are Hydra foot soldiers on the ground in, I think, Sokovia, um, which has also led, led to a helicarrier going missing. All this is to say is that the heroes are are divided and trying to, um, you know, halt all of these threats from escalating any further. And ultimately, um, they they basically what happens is as the threat hits its eleventh hour, um, the president or the director of defense or secretary of defense basically, and apparently they can do this. They tell Steve that you are now basically in charge of all law enforcement agencies all over everywhere. Um, and he's like, thanks. And then suddenly the tides of the battles turn just in time for him to reveal his true allegiances, at least not on a public level, but to some characters that didn't weren't aware. Um, and then basically just shit continues to hit the fan. So, again, I'm being kind of vague here, but... Uh, I, I've, I enjoyed like Nick Spencer is the writer. I enjoyed his work on, on the Ant-Man slash astonishing Ant-Man comics. He's definitely got a, a handle on sort of talking, you know, while maybe his politics do lean a bit more left. Um, like he does pretty good job with character work. And I would say that this book doesn't really wear like any, any particular political ideology on its sleeve, you know, as much as you can try to avoid in a Captain America book. It's really just about some major comic book level threats, you know, at the same time that like the world's greatest hero reveals himself to be the world's greatest dickwad. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard seeing Steven, you know, like it's not truly him. Like, you know, he's been his, you know, but it isn't just that like he's mind controlling anything. Like his whole history has been rewritten. So, I mean, obviously I'm sure by the end of it, it'll all be fixed. But in the meantime, you're like, you know, as far as these characters are concerned, like if they try to seek out his history, what they'll find is simply that like, it's always been this messed up Hydra allegiance, hmm. you know, um, which is interesting. But um, yeah, anyway, it, it was a pretty chock full issue. A lot of interesting stuff happens. And it, it admittedly, like as much as I really didn't want to get pulled into another Marvel event, I'm interested uh. in what happens. So I, I don't, I, I might wait, maybe I'll wait until it goes on Marvel Limited and I'll just follow like the news articles that spoil every issue. But I mean, as far as an issue that's designed to get you engaged with what the event is all about, this is pretty intense stuff. So, I mean, good job there and uh, we'll see how it goes. David, why don't you tell us about um, Super Sons number three? Thank God we're going to have 18 months of, of you being clean from Marvel events after this is over. <laughs> Super Sons number three. So Super Sons by Peter J. Tomasi on well story and words is how he is uh, uh, referred to in the credits, uh, along with Jorge Jimenez on art and Alejandro Sanchez on colors. Um, this is a book for those not in the know about Damian Wayne, aka Robin, and Jonathan Ken. Is he technically Jonathan White, right? I mean, I guess he's. I think in a recent Superman issue, they put Kent on their mailbox, so I think he's okay. officially a Kent now. So, all right. So, Superboy, the son of Superman. Uh, it is a story for those who are not keeping up with it, where Damien is attempting to uncover something that happened and and gets uh, gets Jonathan involved, sort of against his will, but. Uh, of course, they keep running into situations where uh, Jonathan can't leave because his special set of super skills are needed. Uh, anyway, this issue kind of is leading us towards the culmination of this storyline. We've sort of known uh, that there, for those keeping up with the DC Universe, there was an Amazo virus that got released that gave a lot of people superpowers. 
Uh, and most were cured of that, except for a very small percentage, which is this one family called the Duffy family, who protect Providence, Rhode Island from super threats. Uh, however, one of them, uh, the one of the sons, Reggie, goes a little unhinged because he can make a bunch of copies of himself, but when he does so, it kind of uh, does something to his mentality. And so uh, he goes and f- gets this suit that when uh, he puts it on, he can transform his his multiple clones into different superheroes uh, that he's come in contact with. So this issue starts with uh, with Batman fighting Superboy and Robin fighting Superman. It turns out that they are, they are androids. They run into Reggie's sister who can control machines and kind of helps them. Then things get like super convoluted when it turns out that like Reggie's been making these versions of his family uh, to keep killing over and over and over because he's really messed up. But so That's like weird. his his family's like dead, but they're also like alive in these robots. It gets super convoluted, and the book like even acknowledges it a little bit, which is kind of nice. <laughs> uh, we also get in the first issue opened with. Um, with Damien and Jonathan facing off against all of these robot versions of themselves. And this is about halfway through that issue, through this issue, we get to that fight and get to see that play out a bit, which I really like that it happened about halfway through the issue and not at the end of the issue. Cause that would have really driven me crazy. Uh, all of this to say that this book is good comics. It is fun. It is entertaining. Uh, it is a little bit crazy and weird, um, but also takes it it takes itself seriously enough to sell the story, but also recognizes kind of how crazy some of it can be. Uh, it's it's just really a good time. I don't have a lot of super negative stuff I can say about this book. Like I think people should be checking this story out. Uh, I know not everybody likes Damian Wayne as much as I like da- you and I like Damian Wayne, but dang it, he's great. Uh, him and Jonathan have a really nice kind of back and forth uh, where Jonathan really does kind of try to embody his father and Damien treats himself like he's already better than Jonathan's father, which of course gets on uh, gets on Jonathan's nerves a lot. I, I'm hoping this is a book that runs for a while and we get the misadventures of these two for quite some time. I... I don't really have much more I can say about this book uh, aside from people should be checking it out. Uh, there's a lot of really great action. There's a fun story going on here with with a with the right amount of seriousness. Uh, and it's not they're, they're not they're not saving the world. They're saving you know this one family, and that's kind of a nice level of uh, of threat I think because things are still very serious, but the stakes feel a lot more real when this family is doomed instead of a blue light shining out of the sky where we know the heroes are going to stop that. I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. the heroes are going to persevere uh, in this as well. You know, I kind I, I kind of get a sense of how this story is going to wrap up. So maybe that's, maybe that's a negative negative note, but I'm having such a good time that I can't really be too upset about it. And I want to read more and see what's going to happen after this storyline. So super sons, Check it out. Shway. Now, David, uh, that, that's good to hear. But we actually have an, an interesting book to talk about as our joint book this week. That's, uh, David that's knows correct. a little bit more than I do about the background of it. So, David, why don't you uh, so, run with it? I, I want to I come out here at the very beginning and say that Nick and I received this issue uh, for free from the creator. Uh, writer and artist Chris Callahan did reach out to me on Twitter and was like, Hey, I'm, you know, I have this comic that I've made. Uh, we're doing a Kickstarter for it and I'm wanting to get some press. You know, I want people to talk about it. And I said that absolutely we would check it out and talk about it here on the show. Uh, so Chris, I just want to say thank you so much for reaching out to us, uh, and, and giving us this opportunity to discuss your work. Uh, I'm going to read a little bit from the press release here, and then Nick and I will dive into the story and share our thoughts. So, from writer and artist Chris Callahan comes a dark supernatural tale of love and desperation in the aftermath of a horrific tragedy. 
A young man pushes through the afterlife, searching for the soul of his lost bride. But to find the missing, one spirit must return to the land of the living and uncover the truth of immortality. So this is a book also I should mention that is currently on Kickstarter. It has already uh, reached its goal, but that means that you should still go over there and donate because there are a lot of really great uh, bonuses they're doing. And there's lots of reasons to still give money to this project. Uh, but Nick, why don't you and I talk a little bit about this first issue and and what what we thought of, you know, I have not said, I, I think I said the name earlier, The Misplaced, uh, what we thought of, nope, I not said it. <laughs> so the book is called The Misplaced by Chris Callahan. Uh, Nick, share some thoughts. Yeah, so um, immediately... I was like, ooh, Dave McKean. Um, yeah, it does. I had a very strong Sandman vibe, like right off the bat of this book. Like definitely Sandman, Dave McKean. Oh, like Dave McKean with not quite Andrea Sorrentino, but definitely I, like his heavy use of blacks and, and just sort of like the atmosphere. The, the of contrasts it. are definitely The there. contrasts, but definitely closer to Dave McKean because besides some. Uh, I guess as you get a little bit further into it, it kind of gets close to more of like a traditional comic book format. But in the sense that it really is like every every page is a I'm saying it like work of art, like not to say that like pages that aren't set up like a traditional comic book on a work of art. But in the sense that like there's a lot of pages where like more like one large image with like some smaller inset panels. Mm-hmm. Um, but, just, you know, it, so immediately the artwork drew me in. It's not a style that I typically gravitate towards, but I was like, again, I'm like, I do like myself some Dave McKean, and I was like, oh, let me, uh, okay, this is interesting. Yeah, I, and it, also like you, you read the 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 description of what the whole thing was about. I didn't like. I was just like, you said, read this. I said, okay, <laughs> and you know, it's it's again, it, if anything, it emboldens my desire to just experience things without getting a lot of preparation ahead of time, mm-hmm. because. Well, I, honestly, like what I read, I, I'm I'm curious. I'm curious as to far as where this is going. I mean, it what's not to love? It's got naked angel people and <laughs> and <laughs> no, but but in all seriousness, um, the, there was definitely a meditative. Maybe I was just in the right mood when I was reading it, but there was a meditative quality to it. Obviously, mm-hmm. at the same time that we're dealing with a very personal narrative. There's a lot of like philosophical questions going on about like what is what is paradise really, you know, especially when we try to compare it to or try to understand from the point of view of human beings with wants and needs and struggles and conflicts. Um, so it was interesting that you have this point figure, you know, um, crap, what was his name? Adam? John. John, yeah. Or John, right? John. Um, you know, John's in the afterlife and like he gets to do whatever he wants and he can visualize. It's almost like he's living in this vr reality the way this played out though it looks like the story is supposed to take place it seems like it's set a lot further in the past because they're like looking at old i don't know colonial ships or something yeah yeah i definitely Um, definitely got a feeling that it was supposed to be pre-modern time by quite a bit but still the the you know again that this whole sort of like almost like he's living in this weird like afterlife virtual reality where he can relive any memory he wants you know, of course, in this mm-hmm. case, he chooses to remember the the moment of their death. Yeah, and is trying to understand why can't he find his wife. Well, and he, and he says um, too, he he you know he would have uh, he enjoyed racing, and it looked from from the looks of it, it seemed that he enjoyed horse racing. Uh, but he says he he grows tired with it because he always wins, except for the ones he wants to lose, and then he loses those. But when it's up to him, it's not the 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 the, the excitement is gone. Right. It it almost reminds me of. Uh, the one that comes to mind I'm thinking of is like the like the origin of like the Silver Surfer, is that when you when you live in a paradise where you don't struggle, where like you like you've reached like like a, a um like if you've done every seen and done and accomplished everything, then what do you do? How do you not become stagnant? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's like you know maybe there's a switch that goes on when you do pass into the afterlife and you're given everything you want that like you don't need to question how like there's something about it that just doesn't quite make sense, but he's someone that just that fl- that switch didn't flip. So he's constantly questioning, you right. know, he can't, he's, and I guess a restless spirit because he can't deny that 
you know these things that are that that yeah, he, especially with the way that he ended he like he can't let it go uh, he can't go off into eternal peace first and of satisfaction all, first of all his name is james not john i think we got that james yeah that wrong before i thought it was john hey, for made, reason too. Uh, i started with adam so i mean clearly so yeah clearly you just look at remembering names <laughs> uh yeah there seems to be this whole thing where his wife also died but his wife is not in heaven or or in hell. You know, it's it's a little ambiguous as to which part of the afterlife this is supposed to be. Though it it seems like it's supposed to be heaven. Uh, his wife's not there. Nobody can tell him why, and that's kind of his impetus for his journey. Um, I I agree with you on the visuals of this book are incredibly incredibly strong. Uh, there are just some really beautiful uh, pages, and even some individual individual panels are really, really nicely done. Um, the I really like the page where he's kind of talking about death, and there's like this visage of this skull made out of this sort of like smoky substance, and it's 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 very interesting. Um, I also love. I really enjoyed the part where um, after he has the the fate crash you know, that he's kind of living out and he's sitting there talking to the fake corpse of his wife. And, uh, they're having this whole conversation while she's laying on the rocks, like all battered and bruised. It it just, it was a very interesting, um, I, I, juxtaposition, I guess. Um, it, it just, it's just a very interesting way that that whole conversation was set up that I found really, really charming. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very solid, very solid, well put together story. If I did have any, you know, anything to say about it in in a negative light, it would be that this is a high concept book, which is great. I love high concept, but sometimes some of the dialogue feels very high concept, like the way mm-hmm. he, the way people talk is very dramatic, uh, which is fine. It it doesn't never detracts. Um for me like there's this point where he's about to go through this door and this angel appears and he says such theatrics uh, it just i don't know in sort of his conversation too with like the tree of knowledge some of the things they said just felt very like uh almost like like hey we're we're trying to do some shakespeare here in this moment um but i i do felt like a lot of the characters had very strong unique voices which was nice um, right uh, sorry, you seem like you had more. You just the way oh, you said no, that. I, right? I was just, I was like, kind of, yeah, mm, uh-huh, to yeah, what you're mm-hmm, saying. Yes, um, but overall, I would say, like you said, this is an intriguing first issue. I am curious uh, where the story is going to go. We we kind of get a hint that there's someone on Earth who is keeping these spirits uh, where they are for what purpose we don't know. I you know I think it does a good job of of establishing the story. And setting up a cliffhanger that would make readers curious to continue. It definitely. Have you you've seen the Robin Williams film? Was it where what dreams may come or where dreams what? may come? Okay, no, but this is like the second time in the last week I've heard it referenced. Well, I mean, the 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 small pitch of that was it's about Robin Williams in the afterlife or heaven, right? You know, like, or he's not ready to go to like full heaven. He's kind of like in the lobby, I guess. Purgatory. And it's sort of, honestly, not honestly, even purgatory. I would say he's just like hanging out just before the pearly gates. I want to say, but he basically, it basically amounts to him going on a journey to find his wife for reasons that I won't reveal. Um, so I was sitting there and like, for some reason, it just never occurred to me that the story would take us back to Earth. So I was kind of like, oh, like, oh, where dreams may come. Like, you'll probably, like, traverse some different afterlifes or whatever. Maybe maybe she is in hell or some different kind of hell, and he's going to go find her. But then it's like, no, there is an Earth element to it. And that's where it kind of, like, you know, because I felt like, again, not really, don't say it did, certainly it didn't pull me out of the story. It didn't detract from me, you know, and, and I think poetics can be hard to pull off and i would say that he did an admirable job but sometimes when you get into just sort of like the high again the high concept speech and the the, the you know the, the talking it's kind of like oh okay all right all right yeah i get you i get you but then it's just like all right who are these jerks in in the living world that are all like oh i caught a spear like they're, they're like that's where it's sort of like it, it took me from what i was expecting to the unexpected hmm. and given that i i, I agree that 
the rest of the issue was overall solid. It was enough to kind of drive you and be like, all right, well, if that was enough to surprise me, like, what else can this story do? Like, where is this really going? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, props to Chris Callahan. I mean, it's, it seems like it, it, he does mention in his, his afterward, you know, probably the greatest fiction contained in this book is that there's only one creator listed here. Like, obviously, he did the brunt of the work. I can understand that people maybe, maybe assisted him. Mm-hmm. But for such a solid debut, speaking for the first issue at least, you know, he has a very strong artistic style. Again, I mean, the fact that sometimes it's a, it's a, I would say it's a compliment that I, like, I opened this and I was like, my sh-? like, I didn't realize that he was doing everything. Like, I thought maybe he was writing and there was a different artist. So I was like, oh, Dave McKean's doing this? Like, this is cool. <laughs> or, you know, so that's, to me, that's a compliment that he has such a, a powerful style that like, it immediately draws favorable comparisons, if anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if I open it, it was like, oh, this looks like Rob Liefeld. <laughs> but like, right. you know, not, having not a very different crap on Rob Liefeld, but for a style I don't particularly care for, you know, and it was like, oh, here's a poor man's Rob Liefeld, like that probably wouldn't go over very well. But props to Chris Callahan, you know. Yep. Uh, thanks for reaching out to us and giving I, us a chance to read this. I, I'm, I'm um, glad because this is, uh, this honestly, like there's so many comics out there that this is probably a book that may have passed under my radar and I got a, got a chance to check it out and I'm probably going to be going over to that Kickstarter after we're done here and seeing what money mm-hmm. I can uh, I can kick in, you know, what I'm what I want to get out of this. But you could kickstart to it? <laughs> yeah, and, what, and, we, um, and we will have a, a link to the Kickstarter in the show notes if anybody is curious and checking this out. I think, I think that is something. Oh, yeah, that would be a great idea. I, I think it's something, as you said, like there are so many comics. And I feel like a lot of times we default to like what's the latest Marvel and DC stuff. Well, obviously, there's some incredible books from Dark Horse, from Image, from Valiant, excuse me, from, from, from small publishers like Black Mask or Avatar or um and or self-published stuff like this like it's well it's crazy how much stuff we're uh, missing out on this Mm -hmm. is this is also coming through a uh oh now the press release is not loading for me it looks like it's coming out through source point press never heard of it definitely small press though yes uh yeah source point press but anyway, um yeah so uh, i'm i'm definitely intrigued uh bring on issue number two yep Sourcefire Press is a Detroit-based publisher of horror, supernatural, occult, and pulp comics, novels, and art books founded in 2012 by Joshua Werner and Trico J. Lutkins. They so they paid their dues. Okay, so cool. Uh, that is a, a, a publisher I've never heard of, but good for them for doing what they want to do. Uh, so why don't we go ahead? Uh, looks like we're running low on time, so we will ask ourselves the ever-important question... You boys aren't nerds, are you? We are absolutely nerds, and we're going to recommend some nerdy stuff. Nick, do you have a recommendation? David, do you have a recommendation? I do. Good. Start recommending it. Okay, well, so my recommendation this week uh, is Mystery Science Theater 3000 The Return. This is a new season of Mystery Science Theater episodes that are now on Netflix it is a new cast, uh, you know, the same robots, but different voices, um, which, you know, might make some people apprehensive. And when I first watched, when I, when I first started watching the first episode, I thought, oh man, they're trying to capture the magic. I don't know if it's going to be there, but 10 minutes into the movie, I was cracking up and, uh, and they are just as good as ever. They have updated references which means that I laugh at a lot more of the jokes uh, than I would with Old Mystery Science Theater. It is just, it is as good as it's ever been, and people should definitely be checking it out. Uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000, The Return on Netflix now. Awesome. And I recommend that everyone should have had their taxes filed by now. Uh, If you live in the United States. Uh, cause I'm trying to think, I swear, like I read or did something in the last week that is noteworthy and I can't remember what it was. Um, but we would love to hear things that you guys recommend. So definitely send us some mail and let us know what comics, what movies, TV shows, video games, uh, basket weaving like what is it that you recommend with something that's lighting fire in your life right now because clearly i am just dead inside and can't find anything to enjoy 
Um, Obviously. You know, reach out to us. Let us know. David, tell them that email address. Uh, of course, people can email us at heckyeahcomics at gmail.com and they can find more about the show at heckyeahcomics.com. And uh, head over and find us on Twitter at HeckYeahComics. You can find me on Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram at DavLuz, that is D-A-V-L-U-Z. And you can find Nick, uh, man, oh, jeez, you can find Nick attempting to shut, shut up, Nick, wherever Nicks are sold. You can, of course, find this show next week, same Heck Yeah time, same Heck Yeah channel. Until then, goodbye. Worst episode ever.